Okay, we'll be back in Colossians chapter 2 today. Before we get started on that, though, I just got want to call Josh and his son Christian up, Josh Folan. And uh, uh, if you could show the, the medal that the, you got both, both of them there. And you got the, the silver medal. Can we put on the blue mic? Yeah, so the uh, the uh, bronze medal was for what? The total, the total between snatch and clean and jerk. So it was it was like the overall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so he finished. This is a national championship. He doesn't do powerlifting. He does Olympic lifting with all the crazy moves. So this guy can put two hundred pounds over his head. And um, how old are you? Fourteen. Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen now. Okay, you're getting you're getting older now. You got to start looking for work. But um, but he got a silver medal for this, the clean and jerk, right? Yeah. If you want to see this, he, this is a proud papa here. He can show you on his phone all the crazy lifts. Lifts I would never. If I did those lifts with a blank bar, I would be in emergency right now. So. Uh, so, uh, but it's amazing if, to throw that kind a, of weight up. If I have a rough day at the gym, he can just carry me home. So. Yeah, there you go. There works you go. Out great. So he's doing a phenomenal job. Make sure you want to, if you want to check out those kinds of lifts, they're they're crazy, crazy lifts. A lot of moving parts, and the the fact that uh, yeah. a young, slim guy like this can get two hundred pounds over his head is uh, yeah, it was accomplishment a, and a half. It was so. it was the nationals competition, so he's the third strongest for his weight and age in the country yeah so yep and second place on the the clean and jerk so good job make sure you congratulate them so so we got some some good news there good deal uh there's the good news the the bad news i just want to let you know it would with what John is talking about is not wild conspiracy theory crazy stuff. This is, if you want to call it conspiracy, it's conspiracy fact. But what we're seeing right now um, is not, you know, we, we've been talking about the Great Reset for a couple of years. The Great Reset is not some future thing. It's being implemented right now. And um, John Kerry... Um, who works for uh, President Biden, he told Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum that we are on board with it, and as soon as Biden takes office, we're going to start implementing it. And that's what Biden, uh, President Biden's Build Back Better is all about. And so if you're going to reset the world's economy, guess what has to happen with the American economy? It has to go down the tubes. And so the shutdown of oil production, we were the world's leading provider of oil when President Trump was there. Now it's President Biden. Now we're dependent on all kinds of enemies for oil. The price of oil has gone up. Food shortages. So. They're also calling another catchphrase, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Yeah, yeah. Another yeah, Fourth Industrial Revolution is what they refer to it in the uh, World Economic Forum. So, so we're seeing this stuff come down. So we have to... We, you know, as your pastor, I don't just care about your spiritual well-being, but also your, your, your physical and emotional well-being. And, um, and so this, this idea of storing food, uh, water purification type things, this is not, uh, 
this is the, you want to be a faithful steward and you want to take care of your family. These are things you really have to think about. So so just just letting you know that and a little commercial for for John's work there. He can get you trained and get get you the knowledge that you need to know. But it's very, very late uh, in the game. OK, so if we turn to Colossians chapter two, uh, we'll get started there. Colossians chapter two. We're continuing this. Don't be deceived by the false wisdom of man. Don't be deceived by the false wisdom of man. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and uh, so let's just bow our heads, go to the Lord in, in a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, there is so much fake news and false wisdom out there that's being uh, pounded into our heads that uh, if you believe in truth and what is right, and you believe in, in, in you, uh, all of a sudden you're considered uh, uh, a quack, immoral, a hater of mankind. And so I just pray, Lord, that uh, you would give us the boldness and the courage to proclaim your truth uh, in a world that loves not truth. Give us your courage uh, to believe in your son Jesus in a culture that loves not Jesus. Uh, give us the courage to stand up for what is right and wrong and not what the world redefines as right and wrong. And so, Lord, the people that are here today, they're part of the remnant. And the remnant's bigger than we think. It's, there's, there's lots of churches right now that are preaching your truth in Kitsap County. Most of the ones still preaching the word are so small they probably don't even advertise, and they meet in grange halls or in homes. But there is a remnant, and we're part of that remnant. We're people who want to hear your word and study your word and obey your word and want to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, we would not be disappointed today. We didn't come here to hear the faulty wisdom of man. We came here to hear your truth. And so I pray, Lord, that as... Myself, this uh, fallible human, as I preach your word, I pray that you would cancel the man so that your infallible, inerrant, perfect word would be proclaimed from this pulpit. And I pray that I would not lead anyone astray. And I pray that uh, you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would open our hearts and minds to receive your truth, to understand your truth, and empower us to apply your truth to our lives. And cause us to love you with an undying love. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So don't be deceived by the false wisdom of man. Uh, every once in a while, these guys with their, their false wisdom, the reigning, uh, the spirit of the age, the reigning truth, that the false truth that they proclaim, every once in a while, a guy will let the cat out of the bag. And uh, I think it was one of... Uh, um, Joe Biden's uh, economic guys, they kept asking him, why are things going, the economy getting so bad, the inflation going up? And, and he basically said, well, it, it's really not that bad. We just got to get used to it. This is, he's called it the liberal world order because they get in trouble for saying new world order. So, so go online, look up liberal world order, and that's why you're going through what you're going through right now. Don't trust in God. Don't trust in the government. Don't depend on the government. And uh, 
And so don't be deceived by the false wisdom of man. There's a Bible says in Proverbs 14, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. And believe me, there's, there's a lot of leaders out there that if we implement their ideas, a lot of people are going to die. And uh, so, uh, so Paul's writing to the Colossians. He also mentions the Laodiceans. And, uh, and he tells us all wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. They're not found in the Gnostic mystery cults, the secret knowledge and, and stuff like that. But I want us to look at something, though, first, though, because the, the mystery, Paul says, if you want a mystery, I'll give you a mystery. And we don't have to go behind closed doors and do secret handshakes to get this mystery. And there's not, like, first-class Christians who know the mysteries and then the second-class Christians who don't know the mysteries. All Christians can know. God's mysteries, because God's revealed them to us in his word. So what was a mystery and unknown in the Old Testament has now been made known in the New Testament. And one of those mysteries is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's talking to the Gentiles. Because remember, as I mentioned last week, in the Old Testament, if a Gentile, which was a pagan, you, you weren't part of the household of God, the nation of Israel, if you wanted to come into God's assembly uh, and worship the true God of Israel, you had to get circumcised and convert to the Jewish faith. But the mystery, so, so Gentiles could get saved in the Old Testament, but in order to worship Yahweh and to look for the coming Messiah, the coming Savior, they had to enter into, to enter into the family of God, the assembly of God, they had to become Jews. Now that Jesus has come and the Jews rejected the gospel message, the gospel has gone to all nations, okay? And, uh, and, and Paul was appointed to be, he was given that stewardship, that ministry to be the apostle to the Gentiles. But look at what he says in Galatians 2.20. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now we don't even have to become Jews to have a hope of a glorious inheritance in Christ Jesus. Okay? We don't have to uh, become Jews and that Christ, the Jewish Messiah, can indwell, as does the Holy Spirit and God the Father, true believers, even among the Gentiles, without them converting to Judaism. But Paul says this in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, we look in the mirror, except for, you know, wrinkles and white hair, it looks like the same dude. When I look in the mirror, it looks like the same dude that, uh, that walked the earth in the, in the 1960s and 70s. Um, but, no, Phil Fernandez is dead. I was crucified with Christ. You, the old you, is dead. You were crucified with Christ. And you might say, well, that's hard to believe. Well, look, are you going to believe God or are you going to believe uh, your circumstances? Because the evil one's going to whisper in your ear on a pretty regular basis. You're the same guy you used to be. So when one guy starts getting stupid around me and I hear a little voice in my head, you know, just smack this guy. And stuff. That's, that's the old Phil Fernandez. Okay. That's the old Phil Fernandez. That's not uh, the born-again Phil Fernandez, okay? And, um, you know, that's why uh, Paul tells us, 
uh, you know, as you receive Christ, walk in him. So I have been crucified with Christ. The old you is dead. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay? So uh, that's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. I, I, I mean, we act like, wow, the, the gospel um, has now gone to the Gentiles. Even the Gentiles from different nations can get saved right where they're at just by trusting in uh, the, the God of Israel, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Wow, that's neat. Look, that, that's mind-blowing. And we don't act like it is. We act like it's no big deal. Okay? Uh, tomorrow the entire economy could crash. Uh, we could have a police state. We're right now replacing patriotic uh, military people and patriotic police officers are either retiring early or in the military, they're getting kicked out. And, um, and they're being replaced by politically correct people who will do whatever those who sign their paycheck tell them to do. We could have all kinds of... Say, I, if tomorrow they were going door to door, confiscating firearms, arresting Christians... The whole economy shut down tomorrow, and we had total tyranny. You know what the biggest news of the day would be if we just faced reality and looked at things from God's perspective? The whole country could go down the tubes. You could be executed. You could be arrested. You know what the biggest news for us Gentiles is? Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, and that's why these transhumanists, they're all looking to try to attain immortality apart from Jesus because they've rejected immortality through Jesus. But if I look at Bill Gates right now, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote the old philosopher that some of us are old enough to remember, Mr. T. He say, he say I pity the fool. Okay, Jesus said, what is it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You going for glory there, Bill Gates, in an inheritance? You going about it the wrong, immortality? You going about it the wrong way? It's in Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul will talk about this more in Colossians chapter 3. We'll get there when we get there. It's a way Yogi Berra would say it. But we will get there when we get there when he'll talk about we died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay? And, um, and Christ is in us. And that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And uh, so don't be looking to the world or the cults for secret wisdom. Okay? Our wisdom is in Christ. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Jesus is our wisdom. So God's not against philosophy. Philosophy means the love of wisdom. He's against false philosophy, anti-Christian philosophy. 
Christians ought to be the wisest people on earth. Okay? It's not a sin to be wise. In fact, it's a sin to not be wise in God's wisdom. Okay? Now, the lies of the world, that's a whole other story. And so, uh, in verses 4 to 10 of Colossians chapter 2, Paul tells us to trust in Christ, not in the deceitful, false wisdom of man. Trust in Christ and not the false, deceitful wisdom of man. Look at verse 4, Colossians chapter 2, verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. There are sweet-talking people. They were around back then, they're around now. Right now, probably the biggest sweet talker out there is kind of, he's kind of the pastor of the demonic globalists right now. And that's that little guy out of Israel, um, Yuval Noah Harari, or whatever his name, Harari, whatever his name is. So, and, um, um, but he's got persuasive words. You know, the guy will lecture about the plan to create superhumans who are part computer, part human, and then we'll have to decide what we're going to do with the regular humans, and then talks about depopulating the planet Earth, uh, getting rid of some of the other humans, and all these humans stand up and give them a standing ovation. It's like, just because you paid $300 to hear the guy talk, you think you're going to be one of the ones that are going to be left behind, not, not seven-eighths that are going to be removed? Uh, let me tell you, don't be led astray by persuasive words. We have been so dumbed down in this country, we don't even need persuasive words to deceive us anymore. Okay? How many people will take advice from the government without doing your research on it? And this is not, but, you know, this is not like, you know, 800 A.D. We got, we got like the Internet printed things, we can look into things before we decide, do I agree with what the government's telling me to do right now? And um, uh, we should not be led astray by persuasive words, but that's happening in our schools. You know, we, we, we continue, Christians continue sending their kids to the government schools. Now little Johnny, age five, doesn't even know if he's a boy or a girl anymore. Okay. And, and I'm telling you, even the world, even the world is like, what, what's going on here? Our, our enrollment went up. Once the, once the public schools started saying that boys could use the, the girls' room, our enrollment went up like 20%. And we were like, well, we're a Christian school. We're going to be teaching your kid the Bible. It's like, oh, that's okay. Last year would have bothered me. This year it doesn't bother me. Just, just make Johnny go to the boys' room, and I'm okay. You can... You can teach him about Jesus. I don't care anymore. So there's a lot of people who are becoming open to the gospel. Okay? A lot of anti-Christian guys on YouTube that started out mocking Christians. Now they're saying, the only people who make sense to me anymore are Christians. The only people who care about freedom anymore. And um, so, uh, but don't be led astray by persuasive words. But with our government-run schools... Our universities today, there's a, you'd be shocked at the percentage of Christian universities that teach woke garbage, critical race theory and transgender type stuff. And it's like, how do you even call yourself a Christian? 
well, we want to keep the government funding. And, um, but our schools, our schools, our universities, our media, and even a lot of our churches are now using persuasive words trying to convince us, hey, if you don't agree with me, you know, just in case my argument doesn't work, my absurd argument doesn't work, uh, you're a racist if you disagree with me. Or you're a terrorist. Domestic terrorists, what, do we, we got an administration that parents who didn't want their kids being taught all this garbage um, about transgenderism and all, parents who complained about that and being taught critical race theory that all whites are automatically racist and have white privilege. And um, my first home cost 300 bucks after, after I got married. Our first home, a $300 trailer to put in our... That's a whole lot of white privilege there. And, um, and, uh, but parents who speak out against school, school boards, this administration classifies them as domestic terrorists. Hey, what, does the government think they own our kids? Yes. Um, so so don't, don't be led astray by persuasive words. Um, trust in the good news of salvation through Jesus, reject the fake news. And I'm telling you, when you think of fake news, yeah, it used to be like, okay, CNN, MSNBC, and all the others, CBS, stuff like that, but I'm telling you, it's fake news all over the place. It's sad to say, but I don't even want to know how much fake news is being proclaimed from pulpits throughout Kitsap County and then throughout America right now. Um... Fake news is all over the place. That's why, that's why I pray. We, we pray. You know, don't ever come here and think, oh, these guys think their pastor is special. I'm not special. That's why we pray so much. It's like, Lord, when this idiot gets behind the pulpit, don't let him lead us astray. Anoint him with your spirit. Cancel the man. Okay? The reason why we pray for that, we don't want fake news. We want the good news. We want God's truth. Okay? And, um, but we're surrounded by fake news. What, what does Paul say? Don't be led astray by persuasive words. I'm telling you, in a dumbed-down culture, you can be led astray by stupid words. It doesn't even have to be persuasive. Um, you know, there, are, there are people that you just, you, you just tell them something and... I said, well, I don't know about that. Well, you're a racist if you disagree with me. Okay, then I agree with you. That's the amount of courage and the amount of wisdom we have in this country right now. And um, the founding fathers knew for us to be free, we would need spiritual wisdom. If we stopped being spiritually wise, we wouldn't be able to handle the freedom, let alone uh, retain it. P- verse 5, Paul says, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. Rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So Paul tells him, look, I'm with you in spirit. I'm not there physically, but I'm with there in spirit. And he, he sees their faithfulness in Christ. So this is not like um, this is not like a church in Colossus that, uh, you know, the church there could be made up of five, ten different churches. They meet in five or ten different areas. It's not like, man, you people have a bunch of issues. No, they had faith, hope, and love. They were grateful for their salvation. 
problem was there were false teachers who had immersed themselves in, in, in Greek anti-Christian philosophy. And, and then they were taking aspects of Judaism and worshiping angels and teaching all kinds of falsehoods and demoting Jesus. So even if, even if there were just like 10 churches in, in Bremerton and they were all like ours, we were just trying to serve Jesus and just trying to study his word, as long as there were false teachers in our midst. Paul would be grateful for us and would commend us for our faith, hope, and love and our faithfulness and our gratefulness for salvation. But he would still warn us. He would still warn us because there's false teachers in our midst. A lot of American churches, some of them are growing real quick, a lot of American churches aren't doing a whole lot of warning. But Paul told us, just in the passages we looked at Earlier, back in chapter 1, that verse 28, him we preach, we preach Jesus. If you, if you don't want Jesus, don't come to TBF. We preach Jesus here. If you don't want the word of God, don't come to TBF. We preach Jesus here, okay? But him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, okay? Um. If churches aren't sounding warnings on this Sunday, you know, I mean, maybe they're reading a pleasant passage. Okay, so give them a break if there isn't a warning in one message here or there. But there ought to be a whole lot of warning going on. Because even when you're preaching from that pleasant passage of God's word, there's, there's wolves in sheep's clothing. If they're not in your congregation, they're outside your congregation, walking the streets. Seeking whom they may devour, because Satan is working through them. Uh, well, Paul says, look, don't be led astray by persuasive words. I know you're faithful in Christ. I'm with you in spirit, even though I'm not there physically. And then he says in verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you receive Christ, walk in him. Walk in Jesus. Anybody can say, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. Oh, yeah, I accepted the Lord when I was uh, uh, nine years old. And sometimes you got to tell people, well, now you're 59. And you're kind of missing 50 years of, of uh, evidence that you're even saved. Are you really walking with them? You know, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Matthew 7, 21. Okay? We got to practice what we preach. You know, James, Jesus' half-brother, said, don't tell me about your faith. Show me. Show me that you met Jesus, that you love Jesus, and that he's transformed your life. This is an obstacle. Probably the, the biggest obstacle the people coming to Christ is they look at, at people who claim to be Christians and, quote-unquote, Jesus didn't make a difference in their life. They act just like the world acts. And we got a church in America today that in our attempt to find common ground with the world, finding common ground is good, but you got to do it without compromise. But in our attempt to find common ground with the world, we have become the world. And then our churches grow and become popular. And we think, wow, we found a secret 
to growing a big church. Hey, look, there's a, there's a biblical way to grow a big church, but that's the hard way. The easy way to grow a big church, you just tell people what they want to hear. Okay? And um, that's fake news. Fake news can come with persuasive words. Paul says, as you receive Christ, walk in him. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, act that way. A guy like Jordan Peterson said that, you know, he's got a Jungian psychologist who believes in all these archetypes and myths, and he believes that the Bible is a book filled with myths, but they're the, the greatest myths because they teach the eternal truths that got us all the, the freedom and prosperity we have. And now he's reading C.S. Lewis and he's wondering if the myth, in his way of thinking, a myth isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily have to be false or fiction. It could actually have occurred. And so he's, he's contemplating what if in Jesus of Nazareth the myth intersected history and God did become a man, and then he starts weeping. And he says, that's just, that would, if that's true, that would change everything. And this guy, he's a you know, philosophy professor at a, or a psychology professor at the University of Toronto, and then he starts weeping, and then he says, that would change everything. But then I've met, I've met Christians, and they're no different from non-believers. As I see, C.S. Lewis, best argument for Christianity? Christians. Best argument against Christianity? Christians. It depends which Christians you're talking to. When people bump into us in, in Walmart or um, Fred Myers, um, what kind of Christians are they seeing? If you receive them, I received him. Walk in him. Practice what you preach. Okay? And, um, and so, um, if we claim to be follower, a follower of Christ, we need to act that way. In verse 7, he says that, you know, so walk in Jesus, rooted and built up in him, in Jesus, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And so he says we need to be rooted and built up in Christ and established in the faith. Okay? Um, God credited righteousness to Abraham when he first believed in Genesis 15. But Abraham's righteousness wasn't fully proven until Genesis 22 when he was willing to obey God and sacrifice his son. Now, God in interrupted that and provided a substitute sacrifice, the ram caught in the thicket. Um, but we need to be established in our faith. You, you, you claim you're a believer. Big deal. Everybody and their mother's brother claims to be a Christian. You claim to be a believer? Did you get baptized? Jesus said you need to be baptized in the triune God. He said, oh, yeah, I'm a believer and I've been baptized. I checked both boxes. I'm good. There's a lot more to it than that. You know, how do you spend your time? You live for yourself or you're living for Jesus? If you receive Christ, walk in him. You claim to be a follower of Christ, act that way. Be rooted and built up in Christ. Are your, 
if the roots are bad, it's not going to grow a really dynamic tree. Jesus is our roots, okay? We need to be rooted and built up in Christ, established in the faith. Paul says, you know, you guys were taught the faith. That was probably by his buddy Epaphras, okay? A guy that Paul discipled. By the way, that's the, you know, you, you might think, well, Pastor Phil, I've never impacted a whole lot of people and God gave me gifts and I serve the Lord. I'm not like you. I don't get behind a pulpit. People don't watch and you could do a search of me online. You have a hard time even finding me and um, I don't impact a lot of people. You know, I've just maybe discipled 10 people in my entire life. I really haven't had that big of an impact. But who of those 10 people discipled? And who have their disciples discipled? One of the most encouraging things was when we taught the Bible study at Barnes & Noble, when a guy walked up to me, he says, you're Pastor Fernandez, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, I said, you recognize me? He said, I recognize your voice. And I said, oh, you've heard me before. And he said, no, I never heard you, but I, um, I was discipled by a guy who was discipled by a guy named Matt Coombe who was discipled by you, and they imitate you. And, and so it was like, what a blessing. A total stranger walks up to me and says, you know what? Uh, you know, Fernandez, you know, you're nothing special, but I'm a product of your ministry. I'm the fruit of your ministry, and I never met you. How many people like that, you know? Who was, it was, uh, it was ended up being like a, a shoe salesman or something. A little shoe salesman who shared the gospel with somebody who shared the gospel with somebody who shared the gospel with somebody who pre was a, who became a preacher and preached at a little crusade and a little teenager named Billy Graham got saved. Okay? And, uh, well, you know, Paul's saying, look, I never even met you people. But I discipled Epaphras. He planted the church out there. And um, you don't always... Let me, let me tell you, here, here's something. Believe me, I, I, I had so much pride. God's still working on my pride. Um, but I had so much pride when I first got saved. God had to show me that he can accomplish things. He can accomplish his kingdom work on earth without using me. Okay? So God doesn't need us, but he still chooses to use us. And, um, uh, and so Paul doesn't have to be... Paul acknowledges the Colossian church is a strong church. And, and Paul didn't... He didn't say, well, I didn't plan it. So... It can't be that good. No, he discipled Epaphras, and Epaphras went out and planted it, and they were doing well. False teachers in their midst, but they were doing well. And so he says, uh, be rooted and built up in the faith and established in the faith. You were taught the faith by Epaphras. You received the gospel message with thanksgiving. Don't be led astray. Persevere in the faith. I mean, if there's one message I want you to leave with today, it's exactly that. Do, do, do not be led astray. Don't be led astray. Persevere in the faith. Endure in the faith. If you, if you thought it was hard to endure in the faith 
a year ago, it's going to be like, it's like 10 times harder now. It's going to be 10 times harder another year from now. I mean, it's, I, I'm telling you, I, I get so humbled when I'm standing next to Christian brothers from other countries that could take off their shirts and show the, the wounds, the scars from being beaten for preaching the gospel. And usually they're guys that we've given our audio stuff for free so they could train people for ministry. And, and, um, and so they talk about me like I'm a celebrity and I'm just like, guys, my faith hasn't been tested yet. Now they always tell me it will be. We're praying for America. We know it's coming down. But um, but the fact of the matter is, no, I, I can't even think of a time. No one ever tried to do me physical harm for preaching the gospel. You know, I've been called a lot of names, even, the, you know, a few death threats in the mail or emails or whatever. And um, but nobody's ever even hit me. For preaching the gospel. So before we get real arrogant and real proud about how mature we are in Christ, keep in mind, if you're an American Christian, your faith probably hasn't been tested that much. Now granted, when, you're, when you accept the Lord and then your loved ones start going into demonic fits every time you share Jesus, you know, yeah, that, that is rough. We've got to endure that. But the fact of the matter is the days are coming when... Uh, I mean, right now, I'll be honest with you. Right now, we don't know who the believers are and who the non-believers are in general. Now, granted, as you get to know people, you see the Holy Spirit bearing fruit, gives you some evidence and all. But uh, believe me, there is going to be such a thick line between the believers and the non-believers. We're going to know which side you're on. But Paul is saying, you decide right here and now. Before the people with persuasive words show up. You decide which side you're on, okay? And uh, you receive Christ, walk in him, don't be led astray, persevere in the faith. And then Paul gives them a warning about anti-Christian philosophy in verses 8 through 10. Verses 8 through 10, look at verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. And empty deceit according to the tradition of men. So if somebody tries to cheat you through philosophy according to man's tradition, or empty deceit according to man's tradition, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So beware. Here comes the warning that Paul's talking about. Don't let anybody cheat you through false philosophy, through deception, According to the traditions of men, the false wisdom of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Again, philosophy means the love of wisdom. Now, 1 Corinthians 1.30, we saw that Jesus is our wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. After Paul slams the wisdom of man, and he says the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. Does that mean it's really foolishness? No, but the world, if you, if you hate the truth, you consider the truth foolishness. Okay? 
Verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Jesus is my wisdom. Now God reveals a lot of things to us through nature. He reveals his existence to us. His moral laws, he puts them in our consciences. But we become such experts at perverting and twisting what God has revealed to us in nature that we need God's word where God writes it to us in black and white. If you've got a red letter edition and red, he just spells out his truth to us. And in nature, you can find out there is a God. You're not him. You're condemned by him because of your sin. You need to be saved. But that's as far as the revelation in nature will go. You will not find the gospel message in nature. You've got to go to God's supernatural revelation in his word. So Paul's not saying that outside the Bible there is no truth. No, God has revealed. The Bible teaches God has revealed a lot of truth to mankind, even outside the Bible. But what he's saying is if the pagan philosophers think they stumbled onto truth, and it contradicts the word of God, and it's not according to Christ, then don't be uh, persuaded by that empty deceit or fancy words. And uh, so Jesus is our wisdom. It's anti-Christian philosophy that is uh, deceptive. Don't be cheated, Paul says, by false philosophy. Don't be cheated by empty deceit. According to the tradition of man, man's false theories, according to the basic principles of the world. And by the way, you could look that up in the, in the, the, the Greek words, and, and it's, uh, it covers everything. The, uh, the basic principles of the world, they're false wisdom of man principles. They start with things like, Earth, wind, air, fire, the things that the, the Greek philosophers started with. And like the Milesian school with Thales and Aximander and Aximenes, those guys, those ancient Greek philosophers who lived hundreds of years before uh, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, they tried to explain everything through the physical world, the elementary principles of the world. Other philosophers, they brought the stars into the picture. And some taught the stars control us. Others even worship the stars as if they were deities. But they looked at the elementary principles of the world, the creation, and acted like that's where all the answers are. Okay? You know, I was listening to the songs we were praising and worship, and one of, the, one of the lyrics jumped out at me, and I thought, man, I need to, need to add a footnote to that. According to the basic principles of the world, these, these are simplistic, naive, superstitious ideas. It's, they're not advanced, profound wisdom. Herrera, however you pronounce the guy's name, he's a fool. He's brilliant, but he's a fool. You can be morally a fool and intellectually brilliant, but it, you, know, you, can, you could be so intelligent that you know thousands upon thousands of lies. What good is that going to do you? Okay? 
uh, these simplistic, naive, superstitious ideas. For some, it was astrology, worshiping the stars, or at least believing the, the, the stars control our destinies. It's not advanced, profound wisdom. These are superstitious ideas. Uh, regu- rules and regulations, technicalities, occultism, seeking the demonic realm for wisdom, idolatry, worship, and false gods. So when we were singing praise and worship, I, I wrote this down. We, as Christians, we don't look to the stars. We look to the one who made the stars. Okay? Don't, man, I'm telling you, we got, we got people that are just not, they call themselves Christians and they're just not satisfied with Jesus. They're always looking for something more. I just need something to make me happy. You're not content with Jesus? You're not satisfied? Well, if I would just find that perfect spouse, or if I would just make a million dollars, if I would just do this, or if I would just do that. And they're not content with Jesus. We're going to see Paul brings this out in verse 10. Uh, He's going to say, we're complete in Christ. You don't need Jesus plus something else. Okay? And, uh, but we don't look to the stars. We look to the one who made the stars. It's like uh, King David could say in Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. See, when we look to the stars and see their beauty, we don't worship creation, we worship the creator. Okay? If you're all caught up in the elementary, basic principles of the world, you're still worshiping uh, creation. Um, look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, 18 through 22. We'll take it through 23. Romans 1, 18 through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and, and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So atheists have no excuse for being atheists because we haven't seen the invisible God, but we see the visible work of his hands, his creation. Since we see the creation, we know the creator exists. So we're, we are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts And their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Paul is saying that the invisible God has made his existence clearly, has proven it clearly to us through the visible creation that he has made. But 
We don't like that, so we suppress that truth. You can't suppress a truth that deep down inside you don't already know. So deep down inside, I think atheists would pass lie detector tests saying they're atheists because we're really good at lying to ourselves. But I think deep down inside, everybody knows God exists. Okay? And we suppress that truth. We then profess to be wise. We become fools through foolish speculation. And so it's, it's either God or idolatry. It's either Christianity or paganism. And the atheist says, no, no, we're brilliant. We're not pagans and we're not Christians. Okay? Well, explain to me this. Since atheistic evolution, atheistic evolutionists have had such a difficult time explaining how life could evolve from non-living material without intelligent intervention, they're now looking to outer space. They call it panspermia. Nobel Prize winners like Watson and Crick who cracked the genetic code, hold the panspermia. Um, Richard Dawkins entertains it. Okay? And so they deny the existence of God, and they say, no, we could have just gotten here by chance, but then there's so much complex information, even in a single-celled animal, enough to fill 20,000 volumes of encyclopedia. That will go up, by the way. That number will go up as we learn more about the cell. Um, You can't get all that information by chance, It had to come from intelligence. Okay, therefore, intelligent beings on other planets seeded life on the planet Earth, either accidentally or on purpose, and that's not even even scientifically possible. Okay? This is why I preached a lecture uh, back in the 1980s, before I even started the church, on secular America goes new age. You can say, I'm going to suppress the truth about God, and be a brilliant atheist. No, Paul says eventually you're going, to be, you're going to be on your knees, bound before a statue of a four-legged creature. Okay? And uh, the atheist is actually worshiping man, part of the creation. You either worship the creator, or you worship the creation or part of the creation. But you're human. You were created to worship. You were created to worship the triune God. You don't worship the triune God, you can fill in the blank. You're going to worship something else. Okay? And, uh, um, but the basic principles of the world, we don't look to the stars, we look to the one who made the stars. Um, you know, with atheistic evolution and panspermia, I, don't, I think we're looking at the return of the ancient gods, the ancient pagan gods. It's all coming back. It's all coming, come circle now. But uh, basic principles of the world, the false wisdom of man, uh, they're not advanced, profound wisdom. Don't let anybody fool you. These are simplistic, naive, superstitious ideas. When somebody tells you there's like at least 70 different genders, there's a word that my dad's generation, the guys who grew up during the Depression and fought in World War II, there's a word they have for that idea. There's 70 different... Uh, Genders, okay? That word is stupid. That's stupid. That's not true, okay? Um, You know, it's like, we want to reject God and then everything will be fine. No, you reject God, you don't even know which restroom to use anymore, okay? That's not a higher wisdom. That's not the new gnosis, the secret mystical knowledge. No, you profess to be wise and you become fools. 
Okay? Um, believe me, recent polls have indicated there, there are a, there's a huge chunk of Americans who don't believe in any of this garbage. But they also say in the polls, I don't talk about it in pulpit. You know, these are anonymously taken polls. I don't talk about it in pulpit because I'm afraid of losing my job. Believe me, I'm not talking about Christians in America. I'm just talking about people because America was founded on Christian principles. There's more of us than there are than they are of the other side. Now it's late. It's it's like the fifteenth round. We're behind by points, and we need to knock out the win if America is going to be saved. By the way, God didn't write the Bible to save our American culture and our prosperity. And he he wrote the Bible to save us from our sins and to have us grow in Christ and to worship Him. Okay. Uh, if in the meantime America be saved, great. But there's no verse in the Bible. I looked all over for it. Thus saith the Lord: America will be prosperous and free. When I return, I wish there was. I'm not. Be, I'm not fond of pain. My doctor told me avoid it, you know. And um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of pain. But um, you reject God, and then you bow down before statues of four-legged creatures, and things are going to get pretty crazy out there. And so there's a lot of people who agree with us on biblical morality, even if they're not Christians. And even a lot of biblical truth, even if they're not Christians. But right now, they're intimidated into silence. We've got to reach out to these people and say, you're not crazy. You know some truth. You don't know enough truth. I want to introduce you to the truth. And his name is Jesus. Okay? And, um, and so... The deceitful philosophy of man that Paul warns us about could be atheism. There is no God. Pantheism. God is the universe. Since man is part of the universe, man is God. Could be worship of many gods. Polytheism. I think through the UFO movement, we're going to have a return of polytheism. Um, we are, The Mormons are polytheists. There's false religions. Uh, deification of creation or man, saying that creation is God, let's worship the earth, or man is God. Now it's the de- I, I think the final battle has started. It's the deification of the state. Don't depend on God. Don't worship God. Don't look to God for your needs. Just depend on the state. Big Brother loves you. I'm telling you, the guy in the White House don't love me. He don't love you. Well, you'll know. If you get, if you get a politician and that, that starts making waves, you'll know if they love us because they will be treated like trash by the media. They'll be called every name in the book. That's not the first time in history that that's been done. Just read the Psalms, how David was treated by God's enemies. Okay? And, um, but... Uh, but the deification of the state, salvation through man's wisdom, the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, they want a global reset of the world's economy because of COVID-19. That's what we're seeing now. You think uh, $5 a gallon of gas is expensive, you wait and see. And uh, they, if we can't travel, it's easier to control us. And... Um, 
you know, when the government wants to be God, the government wants to control every little aspect of our lives. The World Health Organization, which went to bat during the coronavirus, the pandemic, they went to bat for China. A lot of help they're going to be in that salvation through man's wisdom and dependence on government. Homie, don't do that. Um, deceitful philosophy man refuses to bow before Jesus. Let me tell you, if you don't bow before Jesus, you're not going to stand on the, in the judgment day. Only those who bow, bow before Jesus will stand. Now, these false philosophies now control our culture, our media, our schools, our universities, entertainment, and many churches. Okay, this Top Gun movie I went and saw, I thought it was a really good movie, you know. But uh, they just made a patriotic movie. They didn't put a lot of garbage in it. And so it just went like over a billion dollars in sales and stuff. When all these other, you know, Disney was supposed to be made for kids. And it's all this woke garbage, all this homosexual pride stuff and transgenderism and and there's an awful lot of Americans who are just waiting for a patriotic movie. Look at the passion, how that impacted people. We got to, I tell you, we, we need more courage right now. Okay? When the government puts its foot on the neck of a Christian, okay, that means we got to preach louder. It doesn't mean we got to shut up. Some of us are going to get in a lot of trouble. Some of us are going to lose our jobs. But we don't fall prey to the deceitful philosophy of man. If it's not according to the principles of Christ, take it and throw it in the garbage can. And whatever they call you, they can call you all kinds of names. You're a terrorist. You're a racist. You're a hater of mankind. The Bible says, but he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. You want to call me? You want to call Phil Fernandez a loser who deserves the flames of hell? That's a pretty good assessment of who Phil Fernandez is. But I met Jesus. Jesus has the ability to love that which is unlovable. He has the ability to save those who don't deserve to be saved. And he has the ability to transform and to change those who need to be changed. And so we come to him on bended knee. I don't care where the people, the movers and shakers, the billionaires, the power politicians. I don't care how loud they shout at us. I don't care what kind of threats they give us. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll pick it up there next week. But in conclusion, okay, if you've received Christ, walk in him and do not be deceived by the faulty wisdom of man. Our faith is going to be tested. And those who bow before Jesus will stand on the judgment day. Pray for those who are accepting these lies. 
pray that God gives courage to those who know the truth, that we would stand up for the truth and speak the truth. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we love you so much, Lord. And we don't want to fall for the faulty wisdom of man, the lies of, of mankind, the elementary principles of this world. We want to reject any philosophy uh, that is opposed to the principles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Lord, as we come up with a new knowledge and a new wisdom and a, uh, uh, a new way of viewing reality, may you show us, Lord, to see through the deception of this, this new world order, this new way of viewing reality, this new morality is not moral at all, this new truth is not true at all. May we stand on you and on your word. And may we bow, not before the government, may we bow before the Lord Jesus Christ, bow before him alone. For he is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the firstborn, the ruler over all creation. He is our creator. He is our redeemer. He sustains us in existence. May we not be deceived by the false wisdom of Satan and the world. May we remain true to the Lord Jesus. And since we've received Christ, Empower us to walk in him. Empower us to practice what we preach. Give us the boldness and the courage to proclaim truth in a culture that loves not truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right, God.